What's up, the Line Church? Welcome to our online library. We hope this message blesses you and causes a shift inside of you. Be blessed and stay tuned. Come on, just lift your hands and just bless the name of the Lord. God, we bless your name, oh God. King of glory, we exalt you. Lord God, host, we bless your name. We thank you for you are present here right now, God. And it's evident all over, God, that the spirit of the Lord is not just brooding all over this place, but is seated right here in our midst, God. We bless your name, O God of glory, for you would look down upon poor men like us, and you would show us your glory, unworthy people like us, filthy, messed up people like us, God, and you would look upon us with your grace, love, God, and you would show us your kindness. You would visit us, God. We bless your name, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father God, for you have chosen to visit us, God. We bless your name, O God, for you are king, you are holy, God. And everything you do is set apart for your purpose. Everything you step into is set apart for your purpose. does not matter what, whether it has been written off, whether it has been cancelled. God, once you step into the sin, everything changes, O God. We thank you, Father God, for today you shall turn lives around. We thank you, Father God, for you shall turn lives around. And we bless your name, O God. Thank you, wonderful Father. Be exalted, glorious King, God. Let the glory of the Lord cover this place as the waters cover the sea. Let the glory of the Lord cover this place as the waters cover the sea. We bless your name, Holy Spirit. We are overwhelmed in love and goodness of this God. Thank you, Father God. For another month, for another day, for another day to breathe, for another uh, 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 grace that we have received. Thank you, Father God. Be exalted, Holy Spirit. May your name be praised now and forevermore. Amen, amen and amen. Let's give God a big hand. <laughs> Glory to God. Amen, amen and amen. amen. All right. Um, without any much further ado, let's jump right into the word. Um, I'm not probably not supposed to say this. Let's come on, Jesus Christ. We're seated again. Really now. I, I, I shouldn't. I should. This is a demon. This is a demon, of course, doing this thing. The Lord of us rebuke the spirit of disobedience. <laughs> I've had two coffees, two cups of coffee today, and I'm like, I can feel all the veins in my head just like standing right now, like at attention. <laughs> Amen. If you have your Bibles with you, if you have a, whatever on whatever device, just read me book of John chapter ten. John chapter ten and in verse forty. We start from verse forty and we read into the next chapter. That's John eleven. We'll start from John ten forty. John ten forty. If you're there, say yeah. All right, good. We have, okay, I think we are there. All right, good. Um, John 10, 40. Are you there now? All right, good. It says, Then Jesus went back across the Jordan to the place where John had been baptizing in the early days. There he stayed. And many people came to him and they said, Though John never performed a sign, all that John said about this man was true. And in that place, many believed in Jesus. Next chapter, John 11, verse 1. Now, everybody say now. A man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany the village of Mary and her sister, Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, Lord, the one you love is sick. I'm sorry, I just had to like make the voice. And when he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. 
Now, I love this verse. Another, another now, everybody say now. now. Good. Now, Jesus loved Martha and our sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed there, he stayed where he was, two more days. Wow. And then he said to the disciples, let us go back to Judea. Amen. Let's stop there for now. God, we ask Holy Spirit that you teach us from your word, that you bless our hearts. God, I pray, God, this word that you revealed to me. God, help me get it out the way you wanted to. Thank you, Father God, in Jesus' mighty name. All right, real quick today, my sermon title today is probably very different. Um, uh, my title of my sermon this evening is When God Knocks Late. Everybody say, When God, when God knocks, late. knocks Late. Amen. You may be seated in God's presence. When God Knocks Late. Um, once again, Happy New Month, everybody. Yeah, uh, very much in, should I say, contrast to what majority of the things we discussed or we dealt with in previous months. Um, uh, we, last month, we spoke more about, you know, us knocking on heaven's door and God and talking, I mean, calling on God and disturbing God, which is still very true. But this month, we're starting off with something very different. And today we are talking about when God knocks late. Amen. I have to tell you this, though. Um, Every, every day, okay, let me tell you one, one thing. Every, every time I, I try to preach a sermon, I try my best to uh, like work a, um, a sermon intro, right? An introduction. And to be honest, before, to, before today, I had two different sermon intros. That, okay, I might use A or B, depends on the mood I am in. But right now, I feel like using A, right? And my sermon intro that I had first planned was this. And this is what I'm saying now, anyway. Every day I, I come up here, I, say, I, I just permit me to use the I statement for now. Every day I come up here and I preach, right? And I'm looking at beautiful faces I get to see, and I see some empty white plastic chairs staring right in my face, like in my skull right now. It sometimes is challenging to your faith, right? When you see unmet expectations, on unanswered prayers, staring right in your face, it is very depressing. Right? But another thing I have learned is sometimes God allows things like this so they can put pressure on our faith. What do I mean? If some, because some, the truth is, some, if we are not pressed so hard, there will be no need for faith. You understand what I'm saying? If there was no need, why would I mean, if there was no need that you really could not get by yourself, there would be no space for faith to grow. And I have, I mean, it's, it's written right there in the Bible, if if Jesus had not been pressed by a crowd, he, he, by the crowds that surrounded him, he probably wouldn't have needed Peter to begin with. Are you following now? The crowd, Bible says, we'll see this later anyway, but the Bible says the crowd pressed on Peter so hard, on Jesus so hard, that he had to say, Peter, can I borrow your boat? Can I get, so I can get off, uh, off land and stand on the, in, on the water, that's uh, off, the, off the shore of the land, rather. And what I'm saying this is, um, in case you also have been feeling like um, you have so many unmet expectations staring right at you in the face, I just want you to know that God is using everything to grow your faith. And I want you to know this. I said this before and I'm saying it again. But it's, right, it's written right there in the Bible that every tear drops from your eyes, God collects it in the bottle. He never forgets. Right? Every prayer you've ever prayed, God never forgets. God doesn't have amnesia. He doesn't like say, oh, sorry, what did you ask for again? No, he doesn't do that. He remembers every of your requests. 
And I believe so strongly that every that nothing done here in the I mean in the absence of the people of, of the um okay, let me say it this way. This right now might not be the kind of vision that I have, and this might not be the kind of vision that you have concerning whatever area it is that you've been asking and seeking for God's help for. But I know one thing: nothing you do in this season will go to waste. Nothing that happens in this season will go to waste. No sermon. This has been a fear of my, one of my fear. Like God, all the sermons we preach will really go to waste. Uh 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 uh. Every sermon preached here will never go to waste. It will reach the world, and God will change the world Amen. through us. Amen. All right, now, going into my sermon, when God knocks light. Um, it's a very fascinating story, John 11, right? And um, there was a real reason I chose to start from John 10. Because to be, to be honest, if we are really going to understand John 11, I don't think we'll be able to fully understand or grasp it if we don't go back to John 10. Because in John 10, we see Jesus in a place called Jordan. Now, Jordan was the same place Jesus got baptized. Do you remember that? When Jesus got baptized, Luke 4, I believe. When Jesus got, I said, I believe, I'm sorry, Luke 4, yeah, it's just Luke 4. When Jesus got baptized. Now, the crazy thing about this is Jordan in this, in this chapter, right, is not um, just a location anymore. Because as at the time when this story is written, if I am right by any by 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 a sliver of an inch, right or correct, right, but the time this thing happened in John chapter ten, John the Baptist, y'all know John the Baptist, right? John the Baptist had already died. Matter of fact, he was beheaded by Herod on the request of his wife through his daughter. The ba- John the Baptist, the person who baptized Jesus, had been beheaded. By the time this passage, this this story takes place. Right? And don't forget also, John the Baptist was the forerunner of Jesus. If you read the book of Malachi, you say that Jesus would have a forerunner, a person who will come before him and say, prepare the way of the Lord. Right? He will prepare the way of the Lord, rather. Now, not only did John, was John a foreigner, John was also Jesus' cousin. Right? Through his mother, of course. John the Baptist was the cousin to Jesus. And now, sadly, John the Baptist is dead. Now, so I believe, now we find Jesus in a place, that place, Jordan, and I feel like Jesus was somewhat, to some extent, grieving John the Baptist also. Because I don't think, I think this is the very first time he was returning to Jordan ever since he heard of the passing or the demise of John the Baptist. Are you following everybody? So I, I think, I say I think, this is Jesus also trying to grieve and Jesus is not only trying to give, grieve the death of John the Baptist. He taught people also. Don't, don't, don't forget that. He was teaching, right? But he wasn't only trying to grieve the death of John the Baptist. Also, Jesus withdrew to Jordan because he was teaching in Jerusalem. And guess what? He was almost stoned to death. So Jesus was also having to grieve the fact that the same people I have come to save have rejected me. Are you following everybody? The same people I have come to save. I have, the God, God came down in human form to the same people he has been relating with for over 4,000 years. And they, 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 turned, they turned against him and nearly stoned him to death. And so Jesus is in this place and he's still trying his best. He's teaching the people in Jordan. And then John 11 comes in. 
And John 11 speaks of um, two wonderful ladies, single ladies at this time, right? Martha and Mary. The Bible never said they got married at this time, so they're very single, I believe. Martha and Mary. Their brother, Lazarus, was ill. Very ill, as a matter of fact, to the point of death. And then they sent message to Jesus in um, Jordan, saying, hey, Jesus, um, our brother Lazarus, whom you love, is sick. Right? And I believe that, first of all, going back to John 10, this should make sense now. This should make it make more sense now. Jesus is in a place where he's grieving the death of his own loved one, his cousin, John the Baptist. Now, he's also having to grieve the fact that he was unaccepted in the place he has come, he has, where he went to save people. So when he got the news that someone he loved was sick, I believe in my normal human and humane mind, I believe Jesus should have immediately get it up and ran there. Does this make sense? The moment Jesus heard that John Baptist, I mean, Lazarus was healed. I mean, now I'm in a place where I couldn't save um, John the Baptist. This is an opportunity to save someone else before the person dies. I believe Jesus, you have gotten up immediately and ran towards Bethany to go and heal Lazarus upon the request of his sisters, Martha and Mary. But Jesus didn't. Matter of fact, the Bible says he stayed two more days. Which is very crazy. And by the way, Jesus did not, Jesus did not stay two extra days because he was delayed by traffic. Uh-uh. He stayed there intentionally. Jesus stayed willfully, willingly. I know we talk about God as very patient, very kind, and very loving, which he is. By the way, the Bible says in verse 3, I believe, it says that because Jesus so, it said, and Jesus so much loved. Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. And now we talk about how much God loves us, which is very true. God loves us so much. He's patient. He's kind. We love those aspects and areas of God. But how do we embrace the part of God that chooses to delay two more days? Does this make sense, everybody? How do we, how do we embrace and process the side of God that does not give us the answers to the, our prayer requests when we ask them to? How do we embrace a God who, is, as much as he is patient, is also not very timely? I know, it's, I, I know it's crazy, but it's true, right? We just read it. He chose to stay two more days. I mean, if, if anything, I believe the question on everybody's mind would be, why? Why would Jesus choose to stay two more days. If you say you love them, I mean, okay, I mean, I believe that if you say you love someone, you should be able to do anything in this world for the person, including run as fast as you can. <laughs> but no, uh-uh. It was like, I love you so much, and that's, because, and that's why I'm going to stay back. Not I love you so much, but I will stay. No, I love you so much, that is why I am staying two more days. Wow. Like, this kind of Jesus' love is very different. <laughs> why? And before I go any further, I want you to hold that thought. Just hold that white thought real quick. Now, I want to show you another passage of the scripture. Um, book of Luke. Book of Luke chapter 5, everybody. Luke chapter 5. Now, I have preached from this one chapter. God knows how, how, how many times. So many times. I can't count, to be honest. I lost count. But, okay, but look here real quick. Look here real quick before we go there. Can I teach you one thing? 
here's how you know that you're growing in God. Do you want to know? Do you, I don't, do you want to know? By the way, let's just be sure. Like, it's not like I'm giving you what you don't want. But just to be sure, right? Do you want to know if you're growing in God? Good. This is how you know. When you're growing with God, it's not about how many you know or how much you know. It's about how deep what you know goes. I said again, it's not about how many verses you know. Because guess what, baby girl? The devil knows more scriptures than you do. He knows it from cover to cover. You don't even know what's in Genesis 1 1. <laughs> you still confuse Genesis 1 1 with John 1 1. Right? I was listening to a sermon I preached last year and I discovered that I said Genesis 1 1 and I was quoting John 1 1. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> but it's, it's not about how many scriptures you know. Because the devil knows more scriptures than you do, but the truth in the scriptures hasn't set him free. Okay, are you listening now? So it's not about how many you know, it's about how deep what you know goes. Because I've been reading this one chapter for a very long time now, like I said. But I have never seen something there. Now, Luke 5 from verse 1. I'm very pumped to preach today. Amen. It says, One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. Now stop, everybody. Stop, 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 stop. Verse 2 again. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there. Left there. I have read this passage so many times, I have never actually taken note of those two words. Left there. That phrase, left there. Do you know why? Because that phrase, left there, I don't know, but for me, it does not sound like a phrase of, of surrender. Or a phrase of faith. Does it, does it sound like this is a phrase, a phrase of faith? Like, yeah, Jesus, we, God, we love you so much. Is that what it is? Uh-uh. Left there. To me, that sounds very much like a, a, a phrase of disappointment. Discouragement. Like the disciples quit. Let, let me just, everybody looking at me right now like I'm speaking Mandarin. Let me read it again. It said, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the wish, fishermen who were washing their nets. Meaning they are giving up on fishing that day because they are toiled all night and they didn't catch anything. Are you following now? Yeah. Now the craziest part of this story when, I, when God showed me this week was this. Now, God... Okay, God, tell me like... Okay, man, I'll just chill. Preach this thing. Can't wait. Alright, now. Jesus could have come while they were still on the sea and told them, um, okay, hey, hey guys, just throw your net to the other side. You'll catch a great harvest. Jesus could have come while they were still struggling to catch fish. Jesus could have come on time. But he chose to come when they quit. Are you following on? Jesus could have come one minute earlier when they were still on the sea, thinking of, should we go back or should we still stay? And say, um, hey guys, just catch your net one more time. Don't worry, you catch fishes. Uh-uh, but he didn't. He could have come when they were still struggling and they were like, they're sweating like, we're professional fishermen. What's fishermen? What's going on? <laughs> no market today. He could have done that, but he didn't. He chose to come when they quit. Now, now everybody listen. Could he not have come earlier? He could have. But he chose to delay. He chose to come when they quit. I know sometimes we talk about 
No quitting is bad and you gotta don't quit. No, don't give up. Don't never give up. Never give up. But sometimes you have to give up to find God. Mm-hmm. Alright? Like this is just a, a side note. Sometimes you have to give up to find God. But but that's not even the point. Now, listen everybody. Um the disciples are struggling, but Jesus does not come when they are struggling. He came when they quit. And I see the exact same replica of this, whatever the connotation of this, this story in John 11. Because Jesus could have gone to Bethany when this, uh, Martha and Mary were still struggling with Lazarus' illness. But uh-uh. He chose to go to Bethany when they had quit on Lazarus. How do you know, how do you know they quit on Lazarus, Pastor Emmanuel? Because guess what? When Jesus got to Bethany, he met Lazarus in the tomb. You don't put in the tomb stuff you expect Jesus to resurrect. Are you following? You don't put in the tomb stuff you still have hope that no, he can still come back alive. Uh, you put in the tomb stuff you want to forget. You, you only bury what you do not want to remember. And so they had absolutely given up on anything good happening to Lazarus. And so they quit. And guess what they did? They put Lazarus in a tomb. And now Jesus, the almighty God, did not come on time. He came when they had given up on Lazarus. Are you following everybody? Because I know that we all love God, and yes, we do. But if we do not understand what faith really feels like, when, and what, if we don't understand what faith really is, when there is no answer, or there are no answers to our requests, we would find it very easy to lose faith, right? When we don't find answers, when we want them to come. But it is very essential that we understand what faith is. Right? So when we stand in those gap moments in our lives, between um, uh, our prayers, our, our prayer requests, and answers to our prayers, and we stand in the middle, we will not lose faith in God. Are you listening, everybody? So now Jesus chose to knock late. Because they had given up on Lazarus already. But then if you... If you read further in that same John 11, and I, I said this so many times because I honestly wish I could read the entire chapter to you, but it's like 40-something verses, and I'm pretty sure like before I get to like a half, y'all are dozing already because like it's very long. But I want you to read this chapter today or this week. Read it over and over again. Because as we continue in that in progression of this story, right, we see Jesus, he meets Martha, he meets Mary, um, he sees how they are crying. John eleven thirty five, the famous verse. Jesus wept because he was com- he was moved by it was moved by compassion for the fact that he saw people crying and you know they were very you know downtrodden because they had just lost a loved one. Long story short, this is what Jesus said. Guess what? He said, show me the show me the tomb. They took Jesus there. I guess they thought he wanted to pay his final rites to Lazarus. And then Jesus. And by the way, by the way. Jesus says, Jesus, Jesus says one thing, right? Okay, no, I'll say that later. So when he got to the tomb, he said, um, roll the stone away. Now, Jesus says, roll the stone away. But Martha, Martha had an objection, 
right? This is, I think, like verse, uh, uh, I believe verse 40 there about. Martha had an objection, right? And she was like, no, uh, Master, we cannot roll the stone away because it's the, the, uh, the body has been in the tomb now for about four days, right? If, and it's probably, if we, if we roll that stone now, the stench of that dead body would ooze out and nobody would like that. Martha said, Martha said that. And I never understood why Martha said that until this week. I mean, when I was thinking about the sermon, of course. And um, before I say, let me ask this question. Going back to Luke 5, right, where Jesus stepped into Peter's boat, let me ask, how many of you would love for Jesus to step in your boats this week? Right, good. You like, we have some situations that we really would love. I mean, I know that I have some situations I really would love for Jesus to step into. Right? Good, good. Now drop your hands. I like the fact that everybody here wants to, uh, you, you want Jesus to live with you. Let me say it that way. Would you, let me ask this question directly then. Would you, would you like for Jesus to live with you in, your same, in the same house? All right, good. I love that. Now, but <laughs> let me tell you something. As much as that's a very cool thing, you know, Jesus living with you. You know, you post a picture on Instagram saying living with Jesus. Very good. Um, but here's one thing. It is hard to live with Jesus. Just listen, everybody. It is hard to live with Jesus. You, uh, and, and I'll tell you why it's hard to live with Jesus. Because I've been living with that dude now for a while. And I can tell you it's hard. Alright? But if I tell you why it's hard to live with Jesus, let me tell you, I love you so much, sister, but let me tell you why it's hard to live with my sister, right? Uh, you asked for an award, I'll give you the award now. Um, so this week, I, was, I crashed over at my sister's place. And um, I have never seen my sister be so overly scrupulous. I, I keep on using this word. In my entire life. Like, the moment you touch the tap, she asks you, why did you touch the tap? You touched the plate. Did you touch the plate? Why did you touch the plate? Why couldn't you eat with your hands? <laughs> she didn't say that. Like, she was so, like, did you, did you move the buckets in the bathroom? Like, yeah. Like, am I supposed to, like, the way she was, the way she was so, like, critical about everything, you, I was, I was thinking, I'm sorry, like, I don't understand. Am I supposed to, like, just lay up on the bed like some Egyptian mummy, like, just, just frozen on the bed, you know, in an Egyptian morgue in a casket, just, like, frozen like with my hands binded together like I was Lazarus in your tomb. Like you have a human you have a human being in your house. Do not expect a human being to live in your house and not touch stuff. Right? But I don't understand my sister, right? And that's why I feel it's hard for it's hard to live with Jesus. Because you cannot have Jesus in your house and not expect Jesus to turn things around. Now you probably you know you heard me say turn things around and you're thinking yeah you know he's turning everything around for my good. And you're thinking he's only looking for the good stuff. Uh-uh-uh. Jesus is going about in your house. That's your life, by the way. Looking for the stuff that you covered up. Looking for stuff that he has not cancelled, but you cancelled by yourself. Jesus is going around your house looking for rocks to roll over. Uh, you're like... He, he, rolls his, he, he, he turns this rock around. And it's like, uh-uh, baby girl. Come back, come back now. Come back now. Um, you, you haven't really forgotten those people. You only want makeup on it. You haven't healed there. You only want makeup on it. You're masking. You're faking. You need to fix this. But often, listen now, listen now, listen now, this is what I want you, this is where I want you, I want to key into now. Often, when Jesus comes to turn things around, they usually are things we have concluded upon. Things we have decided not to go back to. Martha had given up on Lazarus in the tomb. And she, my, the only concern on Martha's mind was, if you roll the stone, Jesus, there's so much bad, you know, the stench of a dead body is, is going to, you know, offend, be very offensive and will cause everybody in this place to live. 
The same way some of us are, will talk to Jesus. I mean, not directly, but in that way. Like, Jesus, don't ask me for this thing, right? Don't, don't go there, Jesus. Don't go back to my, part, my, my childhood trauma. Because if you go there, there's so much that I have not dealt with that if you try to touch now, would only cause an eruption of different emotions. Are you following everybody? Like, we, we know Jesus turns things, turns things around, and he does. But he's not always looking for the good stuff. He's looking for the bad stuff, too. Like, he's looking around your life, like, just, just turning things around. Just turning, turning things around. Like, yep, no, uh-uh, come back here. You, have, you still have anger issues. You're only smiling so much in the public, but you know how angry you are deep down. Like, come, uh, come now, come now, come now. You, you, act, you, you, hang around so, you hang around so many boys, but the truth is that you, have, you still deal with lust, and you're only angry with boys to shadow your lust inside. This is something you have to fix. Like, I tell you guys something. Last year, um, January, I had this, uh, 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 it was, uh, like, we normally do an opening fasting and prayer. So it was 21 days fasting and prayer, right? And um, doing my fasting and prayer, I don't know which day exactly, and I remember praying, and I tell you this, this is what God does. This is what God does. Mid-prayer, middle of the night, mid-prayer, all of a sudden, my mind just went back to something that happened when I was in primary school. All of a sudden, and my mind went back to when um, every day in primary school we'd close school around 2 p.m., but our parents won't come to pick us until like past 5 in the afternoon, in the evening. And every day we'd have to sit un- under the hot sun because nobody would take us into their house. And we'd have to sit under the hot sun. And sometimes we'd have to like, sleep on the pavement because we are so tired from school. And we'd have to wait till our parents come to pick us 5 o'clock. And so I never forgave my parents for what they did back then. I remember telling my, sharing this with my mom last year. And so the hurts had not been dealt with. And I was praying 21 days prayer, you know, God give me power to all spiritual heavy prayers we're praying. And God took my mind to something that happened, something very minuscule, something very small that happened in my primary school that I have not yet dealt with. That is what God does. Are you, is this making sense, everybody? This is what God does. He intentionally, he intentionally comes late. So you can factor and see everything that you have hidden. It's like, um, it's like hide and seek, you know? Like count to, count to 100. You close your eyes, count to 100. Once it's 100, everybody goes to hide. Then what does Jesus do? What does Jesus do? He goes to seek, right? What you've hidden. But it's, it's crazy because that's the same thing I see happening in John 11. We find they're buried, they're buried Lazarus. But Jesus chose to come and knock late. Because often we've covered stuff up. And, but Jesus being so loving, he would choose to delay. Now, I don't, always, I, I don't have all the answers, and I cannot tell you why God has not given you the answer to your prayers now. But often, you know, some of us, when we do not see the answer to a prayer, do you know what we do? We seal it up and we leave. You know, we just... We just stop praying that prayer because we assume God would never answer it. We just, you know, we just forget about it. Some of us have reached different conclusions in our minds, you know. And it's crazy how God will not come when we are, you know, when we are debating on the conclusion. Sometimes he, he comes when we have made the conclusion already. Like when somebody decides that, you know what, God is not good, God is not good because I prayed for this person and the person didn't get healed. Or I prayed for this thing and he didn't come. God is not good. I give up on God. After you've chosen to give up, you know, I'm not going to church anymore. That's when God now comes. Is it making sense, everybody? 
Like I said this so many times, my struggle back in 2019 when I had issues with admissions and all that, now everything went completely sideways for me. I prayed like it was no man's business. Marathon, not drinking water, not eating food. Like I was literally drinking anointing oil for like five days. And God didn't show up. Truth, he didn't show up. I wouldn't like try to sugarcoat anything. God didn't show up. I didn't see God. Until one year later. Why did God have to wait that long? And um, I, have, I, have this, I, have this, I have a notepad, right? And I was flipping through my notepad today. I discovered I had something, I guess, something similar in my notepad now. I have a notepad from 2020. Two pages full, right, of some of the, of some of the prayers that I prayed that God didn't answer. I know. I don't keep, you're not supposed to keep records of things God didn't do. But I did. I wrote in my notepad, stopped, stopped my prayer points. And after, back, after I went back after and I was like, God didn't answer any of these prayers. But... There is a part of us that once a thing is um, delayed, especially the answer to a request is delayed, we tend to give up on it. We tend to give up on God because we haven't seen him after praying and toiling and struggling for so long. The disciples gave up. Martha and Mary gave up. They gave up on Lazarus. And it's so crazy because um, look at what he says in, in verse, uh, what's it? Sorry, in, in that same book of John 11, right? Because I believe this is, this is the part everybody now struggles with. Everybody struggles with this part. Look at John 11, 36, right? He says, after, after Jesus wept in John 11, 35, then verse 36, he said, um, he, he said this. Then the Jews said, See how he loved him. Hmm? But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Imagine um, how, many things we, how many things we hear also. You know? even, even, even if it's not people in our minds, you know, like if God has called you, how come he cannot you know, provide for you? Are you following? If, if you say God is on your side indeed, how come X, Y, Z happen to you? If God watches over you like he does, if God watches over, over the sparrows, meaning he watches over you even more than he watches over the sparrows, then how come he allowed this thing to happen to you? How come he didn't come where you expected him to? And sometimes we are plagued by these voices in our heads. You know? You know, the enemy will just... The enemy will try to, will always try to feed on your, um, on your disappointment, especially when you are very much disappointed, you know? Oh, okay, you say you love God. I hear you, you love God, good. Are you sure this God is paying you at all? Have you seen, have you seen the list of your needs that he has not met yet? I thought you prayed one prayer last year. How come he doesn't answer? And you say, this God hears you. You say, God hears you. Okay, he hears your prayers for people. How about you? And this is, like, this is why I said, if you, it's really good we understand what faith is. If not, we will go with an idea of faith, which really is not faith. If you are to be honest, it's hype. It's just, we're just so pumped up, and we have so much morphine in our system, right? And uh, it's just like, we adrenaline pumped, and we feel that's all faith. It's, going, going to, it's always going to be the mountaintop moments. But we forget that there are, only, there are also valleys, valleys, right? 
As a matter of fact, it's the valleys that defines the mountains. And we are, if, if we do not know that faith will not always be mountaintop moments, as a matter of fact, faith is most effective in the valley, in front of a tomb. When God knocks late, how do you, how, how do you process it when God knocks late? When God delays in his response, in his answers, how do I process when God knocks late? Right? How do I process it when what I expected God to do, he didn't do it when I wanted him to do it, and how I wanted him to do it? How do I process it? How do you process it? Um, there's, a, there's a certain verse that um, I'd, like, I'd like to read last, right? Before... If I like close my sermon or whatever, there's, there's a verse I would love to read um, to us. In the book of um, Revelations, right? Book of Revelations, chapter 3. And in verse 20. Revelations 3, 20. This is a verse I love. You've probably, heard it, you've probably heard it a billion times over and over. But I hope it kind of like, my sermon provides a, a new edge or angle to this sermon, to this um, verse. Revelation 3.20 says this, he says, says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Now, everybody, listen to me. Um, First of all, I believe this is a very powerful scripture. Jesus said this, right? But when I was... Preparing for my sermon, preparing the sermon, and when I was praying, God showed me something in this in this verse. I pray that verse again. It says, Here I am. This is Jesus speaking. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door. Now here's why I stopped I stopped rather at if anyone hears my voice. Because it kind of when Jesus said if anyone hears my voice, if anyone hears my voice, if anyone hears my voice, it's ringing in my head. And it sounds very much like, I mean, first of all, why wouldn't we hear Jesus, God's voice? So why wouldn't we be close to the door, to open the door for Jesus if we're not expecting him to begin with? Listen, everybody. If you knew Jesus was coming, everybody is going to be standing on, on, on you know, tiptoe. Everybody's going to be waiting for Jesus, right? But why did he say, if anyone hears my voice? Sounds to me like Jesus plans on coming when no one is expecting. Listen closely now. It feels like, it sounds very much like he plans on coming when no one is expecting. Bring that into context. It sounds very much like Jesus is saying he's going to come and knock late. Are we listening now? As a matter of fact, almost nearly every parable Jesus ever told about his, his second coming spoke about him coming late. If you, if you remember, if you remember the, the parable of the, of the uh, five virgins, five wise, five foolish virgins, ten virgins in total, they waited for the groom, he didn't come, all night. And their oil was finished. And the five foolish virgins had no oil left. The five wise ones had spare oil. But the point there is, the groom came late. And then Jesus says in Romans 3.20, Here I am. I stand at the door 
and I knock. If anyone hears my voice, meaning he plans on coming late. It's making sense, everybody. So God knocks late. Hmm? He knocks late. I can't stand here and try to like preach like sugar to you, you know, try to get you all hyped and pumped and like, yeah, God, you know, there's an answer on the door on the way. Yes, it is. Yes, there is. God is the answer, right? He's always at the door, right? But he's not always at the door when you need him to be. Because if you go back to John 11, Jesus did not prove his love by coming on time. He proved his love by coming late. When they had given up. And so, let's be on here. Um, and so when I titled my sermon, When God Knocks Late, here's the end of that sermon. Well, here's what the one you might want to, the tagline you might want to add, to add to it. When God Knocks Late, listen everybody, just answer anyway. When God Knocks Late, just answer anyway. Don't be far from the door. One more thing, I must not forget this, because I was telling my mom something this morning. She's been praying of late, and she doesn't know my sermon. She didn't know this, but every day she prays, even this morning she was praying, and she was praying about God being our helper, right? And what she doesn't know is that, do you know the name Lazarus? Actually, is derived from the Hebrew word Eliezer, right? And Eliezer actually means God is my help. Are you following me, everybody? God is my help. But now it's so funny how um, the person whose name is God is my help is found in a tomb. But hey, here's why God is indeed help. Because God told his disciples this. Lazarus is dead. But I allowed it to happen so you might believe. Because God is not only one who can heal is also one who can raise the dead. And I don't know what has died, what hope has been buried. I don't know the trauma that you have buried under the sand. Jesus does not resurrect trauma. Uh-uh. He brings what is dead and he gives life to it. He brings something, a trauma, and he gives you healing for it. He doesn't leave it buried. Uh-uh. Jesus is not, I mean, some of us, if Jesus could walk on, walk in our land, on the land of, lands of our heart, it's going to be like skeletons everywhere. Because so many things we've just like tried to like stuff in the ground, like no more space in the ground, and now skeletons are showing on the surface. That's why people can see our nasty attitude. And like, what's wrong with you? And like, I don't know, this is how I am. But really, it's not how you are. Life made you like that. But Jesus sometimes knocks like, but it doesn't matter when he knocks anyway. Just open and um, I don't know if this sermon, I don't know if I, if I got the sermon out the way you wanted me to, oh God. But I just know that I put my heart to it. So the children will know that sometimes you do knock late. But it doesn't matter the time you come, God. All that matters is when you come, when you knock, we will open. You will come in. You will dine with us and us with you. 
we will be one as you and the Father are one. Jesus stood, when Jesus stood in front of Lazarus' tomb, he prayed one prayer, and I would love to pray that prayer now. Just all eyes closed right now. He prayed one prayer, one simple prayer, and I'll pray that prayer today. Father, I thank you, for you have heard me. I know you always hear me when I ask and when I speak and when I pray. But I'm saying this now, God, so everyone in this place can know that you are God. You are the one who died and the same one who resurrected himself. No one in the universe has been able to do that except you. And so God, in this same authority, I command that every Lazarus, every dead hope, every dead gift, every dead passion, every dead inspiration, every dead spirit, I command now, I say, Lazarus, come forth. Amen. I say, Lazarus, come forth. Amen. I say, Lazarus, come forth. Amen. I declare with all of my spirit now and everything God has put inside of me, I command every Lazarus now to come forth. Amen. Every dead hope, dead faith, dead inspiration, dead gift, dead power, dead whatever. I command you right now to come forth Amen. in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. In the name of Jesus, Amen. Lazarus, come forth. One more thing, one more thing now, one more thing. Remember, Lazarus could only come forth because the stone was rolled away. Jesus didn't need anybody to roll his stone away. He rolled it himself. But guess what? Guess what now? He told Martha to roll the stone away. Of course, she didn't roll it herself, but now that's, I'm talking um, metaphorically now. You are going to have to roll the stone away, meaning you're going to have to let Jesus in, into the skeletons in your cupboard, into the things that nobody knows about you, that you know, things that you're struggling with, you're going to have to invite Jesus in. Even though you quit, still invite him in. Is the answer you've been looking for for so long. Right now, just lift your hands, everybody, and say, Jesus, I welcome you into the tomb, into the grave of my passion, my hope, my pain, my past, and my faith. I welcome you, Jesus. So Jesus will welcome you right now into every dead tomb where any Lazarus has been buried. Because we thank you, God, because you are still showing up at the tomb of every Lazarus. And at, at your word, oh God, at your word, it will be so. When you declare, the Bible says this, it says, even now, I am the resurrection and the life. You're able to give life to dead circumstances and dead things. And you're able to bring them back up again. And so under the same, in the same authority, God, we declare over every dead Lazarus and every tomb, Come forth Amen. in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now say after me, say, when God knocks late, just open anyway. When God knocks late, just open anyway. If you're happy for God's word, I want you to give God a big hand.